Hi, Crossroads. I'm Terry, and this is my son, Chris. We were attending Crossroads when Chris was born 18 years ago. We moved to Colorado when he was three. He's always had a special connection with God, but he was never baptized. We moved back here in January and started attending the Crossroads again. On Palm Sunday, when Pastor Chuck gave the invitation for baptism, Chris wanted to go. He looked at me and said, please, Mom, please. And I had a list of excuses why not today. I want to plan for it, Chris. I want family and friends here. I want to pick the person that's going to baptize you. And inside I was saying, life might change for us when this happens. But he kept saying, Mom, please, it's right for God. I want to go, please. I had more excuses. And finally he just he looked at me and he said, Mom, it's my choice. I'm going. And he got up and he started going down the stairs. I said, hey, wait for me. I'm coming. I followed him down the stairs. And when we reached the floor, there was a gentleman that greeted us, congratulated Chris, and helped us with the process of emptying his pockets and taking off his shoes. And then this wonderful man said something to me all cherish forever. He said, Mom, you can baptize him. And oh, what an honor that was. So we got into the water. It was the right thing for Chris. And it was a joy of the lifetime for me. The tears started. And yes, life did change. And now we're in the process of planning Chris to baptize me. So August the 29th, we're going to see Chris baptize his mom. Is that incredible or what? And um, I'm asking you uh, to join with me in praying to bring friends uh, this next few weeks, especially to talk about what Jesus has to say about coming to know him. And, And then also to experience that together. And if you've never been baptized into Christ by your choice, something you choose to do in a conscious worship experience with him, which is what baptism is. It's a worship experience that you do with him that you choose. If you've never done that, then you can do it anytime, but that day will be special. We'll have pools all over. Uh, You get baptized in your clothes, but it becomes amazingly emotional. So I'm encouraging you to bring friends, uh, invite friends the next few weeks as we share the gospel, and let's see what God does. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we pray that we would see the field that's widened to harvest be harvested because we go out and we reach and we care and we love. But Lord, I pray we would never veer away from the true message of who you are, And I pray today you would open our eyes to you that we would sense this. We would get it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 is where you want to be. Hey, real quick about the cupcake or lady. Uh, it, it, ladies. Uh, uh, Pam and I watched that show. We were so caught by uh, the, uh, caught up in the whole activity that happened, their attitudes, everything about them. They're strong Christian women. Uh, we got into contact with them because they hired uh, Logan Duarte to do their, their photo spread. And, and you guys, it is just going to be an incredible day. The cupcake that won was bacon and pancake. Uh, and it, it, it's supposed to be incredible, but they also have red velvet. They're going to bring red velvet. Uh, they're going to bring double Dutch chocolate and you can buy them that day, but it's just better if you pre-order. So you can buy them that day. They'll be here, uh, next Sunday. And, and we just think it's a fun thing for our church to take part in, uh, and, and to know they not only won, they went up against one of the best cupcake makers in the country and beat her. But not only that, they then were able to display their cupcakes at a benefit gala and Ben Affleck liked it so much 
He's backing them now. So uh, they're that good. So anyway, uh, it's going to be a fun time next week, so don't miss that. Uh, Here's the thing I want you to grab hold of. Pam, one time, I walked into the living room, looked at me and said, Chuck, do you want to go see the home show tape tomorrow? And I thought, no, I don't know if any of you remember the home show, uh, but it it was a total woman show. It's like about crafts and decorating your house. And and I thought, I don't want to go to that. And and you got to get up at like five in the morning to go with the taping because it's East Coast time. And and, and I said, Pam, why would I want to go? And she goes, well, a bunch of the college guys are going. And she named off all these college guys. And I go, why are they going to the home show? And she goes, because the Laker girls are going to be on. I said, you know, I, I think I ought to go. And uh, so what happened is we drive down to ABC Studios real early in the morning. But when we pulled in and got out of the car and walked into the studio lot, man, my heart dropped. Because the line was incredible. And what happens is they only fill the theater and that's it. And I looked and I said, Pam, we're never going to get in. And, and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I know Gary. And Gary's one of the producers of the home show. And I said, you know him? And she said, yeah. And so what happened? This huge line. People had been there for hours. We walk right next to the front of the line and stand there. All these people are glaring at us. Like, what are you doing? You're totally cut. And and I'm watching them. And I even hear people say, who do they think they are? Out walks a security guard. He goes, oh, are you Gary's friends? And Pam goes, yes, I am. He goes, well, he said to have you meet right here. He goes, I'm going to go get him. Well, the security guard goes to get Gary. And then this lady is back like midway in the line. And she goes, well, I've been here for hours. And if they can be there, I'm going to be there. And she walks over and stands right next to me all mad, like too close even. And I'm like, and she just looks and she's glaring. and, And I thought, okay. Well, Gary comes out and him, he and Pam hug. I guess they're good friends. And, uh, and she starts introducing everybody to him. And then she gets to this lady and she's like, um, and Gary goes, well, do you know her? And Pam says, no. And Gary calls over the security guard and he goes, ma'am, you're going to have to get out of line. She goes, well, that's not fair. I've been here for hours. And he goes, nope, you got it. And the guard walks her, grabs her arm and walks her off. Well, she goes to go back to her spot in line and the guard goes, no. And he takes her all the way to the end. And I looked and I never saw her make it into the studio. She never got in. Now, here's where I'm going. You ready? It's who you know. Pam knew Gary, so we got in. Saying anything else would not get us in. We had to literally know him. And if we didn't, we wouldn't get into that moment. Who you know matters. That's what Jesus is saying. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Did you catch that? Not everyone who says they're a Christian is going to heaven. Not everyone who says they believe in God is going to heaven. Only the one who truly does the will of the Father. He goes on to say this. Many will say to me on that day, which is the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Did you catch that? You and I, we didn't really have a relationship. I didn't know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to go to heaven. It's the will of God, but not everyone's going to go. And as a matter of fact, the Lord told us it's the broad way, the wide way that leads to destruction and the majority are on it. And then he says, 
I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be veer off course because there are false prophets out there and you know them by their fruit. We are known by our fruit, whether we're really his or not. Then he says this, not even everybody who says they're a Christian is going to go to heaven. Now, I want you to think about that. These are the words of Jesus. And he begins by saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, now, just so you know, anytime you see that in scripture, Lord, Lord, or, or a, a double pronunciation of someone's name, it always implies affection. Now, now, don't miss that. For instance, when God called Abraham, he said, Abraham, Abraham. He was implying an affectionate relationship with Abraham. Uh, in the time of Samuel, it says the voice of the Lord was rare in those days. But God called to Samuel. And how did he call him? He said, Samuel, Samuel. Implying affection for Samuel. He did it to Moses. He did it to Jacob. When, when, when God calls out like that, he double says it to imply infection. And so what are these people saying? They're saying, Lord, Lord, even implying that they have an affectionate relationship with him. And Jesus says, no, you don't. I don't know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, don't miss what he's saying. It's on the judgment day. And he's saying, you thought you were going to heaven. You're going to go to hell. Now, now, people don't like to hear that, but there is a hell. And there are people who think that they're not going there that are going to go there. And they're going to find out when they stand face to face with Jesus and they do not know him. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. Notice how he begins it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Now, now, a lot of people act like that they're going to get into heaven and not do God's will. John MacArthur tells about a time that he was speaking in a church in the South and they were driving towards the church. He had been picked up at his hotel as they're driving by a particular business. He looked up at it and thought, oh man, I bet the people of this town hate having this business here. And he mentions it. And the guy said, well, it's worse. He said, you know what? That, that business is owned by a Christian. And the guy goes to our church. He goes, can you believe a Christian would do that? And John MacArthur looked at him and said, why do you think he's a Christian? What would possess you to say he's a Christian? And the guy said, well, he says he is. He goes, but not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter. I mean, come on. If this guy owns this business, that's the fruit of his life. You don't have something like that in your life. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, don't miss that's what Jesus is saying. And, you know, one time uh, back when I was a youth pastor, we were at Huntington Beach going to do a, a worship service around a campfire. So we had staked out our spot and got it early, but all the campfires were taken. And next to us was a group that was kind of partying, partying hard. But they began to dissipate about the time we were going to worship. I ran and got some coffee and came back before it started. And as I walked up, man, my, my heart dropped. Because now there were only two people left by the other campfire. But it was a guy and a girl inside one sleeping bag together. And I thought, that we're not going to worship looking at that. So I had everybody face me so we wouldn't be looking at it. And we prayed and we started worshiping. And all of a sudden, I hear the girl in the sleeping bag say, Oh, oh, that's my favorite worship song. She comes out of the sleeping bag totally nude. Hops up, throws on a shirt. I'm trying not to look. I hope she put other stuff on. She runs over and stands next to me and says, Can I worship with you? And I looked at her and I said, do you really know the Lord? She goes, oh, yeah. And I said, well, and I called two of our counselors over and they took her aside and they began to explain what Jesus really means. Now, that wasn't her husband in the bag, by the way. 
The point is, why do we think that everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter? When Jesus clearly says that's not the case. He says, anybody who acts like that, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus said we're known by our fruit. And we can't miss that. Notice he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Now, now I want to have you think about it. What is the will of God? That if someone really knows Jesus, they're going to do God's will. That's what Jesus is saying. If you really, truly know him, you're going to do the will of God. The first thing that we see is the will of God is that we believe in Jesus. Now, by the way, when we use the word believe, let's make sure we're all on the same page. That in, in the Greek... As well as in English, there, there's two meanings for the word believe, and we've got to go to the right one. One is the believing, which is head knowledge. Uh, if I said I believe that Barack Obama is the president of the United States, that would be right, and I believe that, and I believe that he is. But that doesn't mean I know him. That doesn't mean I know him. But if you walked up and said, do you believe in Pam? Do you believe in her? I, I could say, I believe in Pam. See, that's different. That means I have a loving relationship with her where I trust her. That's why most often we don't translate the word believe. We translate it as faith, which is a a Greek word, pistos, which literally means to have an intimate, trusting, loving relationship where you throw everything you have into that person. You believe in them. And it's God's will that you believe in Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God who died on the cross for our sins, who was God in the flesh. John 6, 28 and 29 says, therefore... They said to him, to Jesus, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? What what is the will of God? How do we do the work of God? It says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. There's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. It is God's will for you and I to come to that knowledge and believe in him, which means to love him, to trust him, to believe that he died on the cross for our sins. And if you genuinely believe that, Jesus says, you are going to literally put yourself in his hands, live your life for him. If he gave everything for me, if he gave everything for you, then we should give everything for him. And we need to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. That's the will of God. John 6, verse 40, a few verses later, Jesus says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that day. In other words, on the day when we stand and say, Lord, Lord, if we genuinely believe in Jesus with all our heart, mind, and soul, we believe that he loves us. We believe that he's real. We believe that he died on the cross for us and rose again. And so we believe that if he would do that for me, I'm going to do everything for him. Then guess what? He says, I will then raise you up on that day. You will come with me. You will have that. That's the will of God. It's also the will of God that you obey him. Remember, he said, if we do not do his will, If we are lawless, he says, depart from me. But it's God's will that we obey him. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, I want you to notice the order of how God lays out his expectations for us. This is vital to get because it shows the building of the true relationship with God. In Deuteronomy 10 verse 12, it says this. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And the word require could also be translated expect. What is God's great expectation of you and of me? What does God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Now, God says, I wanted you to do, this is the best thing you could ever do. 
This is the best life you could ever live. But how do you get it? Number one, you fear the Lord your God. Did you notice he doesn't start with love? Here's why. Because if you don't respect God, you're never going to have a relationship with him. If you don't have a true respect for God, then you will not. God refuses to be dysfunctional. If you say, well, I believe in you. Well, guess what? That gets you nothing. The Bible says in James, James says the devil believes, but he trembles. If I go, I believe in God, but I don't even have respect. There's no relationship going to come. But if I understand the awesomeness of the father, then I'm going to enter into that and a loving relationship that has respect. Uh, You need to grab that. My father was an amazing father, but I'll tell you what, I respected my dad. I respected him and it made us have a great relationship. I want my children to respect me. I want my grandchildren. The other night we're in a restaurant and, and, and I spoil Liam to death, but he started acting up. How many of you like to be around kids that act up? Nobody. And man, I put him in his place and all of a sudden he looked at me. He was shocked. It's the first time I've ever disciplined that young boy. Tim is looking at me thinking, finally. And do you know what he did right after I disciplined him? I mean, I didn't hit him or anything yet. And uh, I just sternly let him know, stop. He hugged me tighter than ever. He acted so good. You know what? That's because now we're going to have a great relationship. By the way, I want to tell you, I, 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 I want to be honest with this. I believe I know the most foolproof birth control for teenage girls there is. I really do. I mean, some people think it's abstinence education, which, by the way, I'm for. Others believe, you know, you just give them birth control, which I'm not for. You know, but, 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 but are you ready for this? I have the most foolproof way. That is that every father here, you make sure you go out on every date she goes out on. She won't get pregnant. It's not going to happen. Right? By the way, I've decided I'm going to do that for my granddaughter. I'm going on every date. Now, now, here's why. You wouldn't act that way around your father. But you know something and I know something. If you know God, you know he's always with you. Is God ever apart from you? When you turn on the TV, he's there with you. When you turn on your computer, he's there with you. And you know what? We ought to act in a way that shows we respect who he is. We respect him to fear the Lord your God, to do his will. People who love God obey him. And notice it says we obey everything. Now, are we perfect? No. But the reality is we do it out of love. Now, I know some of you go, well, wait a minute. This almost sounds like, are we saved because we obey? No, that would be works. We obey because we're saved. Now, I know some of you go, oh, no, no, no. But, but, but I prayed the prayer. Now, here's the point. Don't miss this. Really think this through. If I say praying the prayer means that God has to take me, that makes that prayer a works. If you say, well, no, I prayed a prayer once, therefore I have to go to heaven. No, no, that makes it a work. You're not saved by works. You're saved by his grace through true faith in him. You're only saved if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's how you're saved. Not because you prayed a prayer. Not because you got baptized. If you get baptized and you're not doing it from your heart, all you did was get wet. You got to do it with the heart. It's got to be a relationship. And see, we tell you that all the time. You're going to get it more and more. Being a Christian is not a religion. It's a relationship. And saying a prayer, going, some of you go, well, I got to be saved. I come every Sunday and listen to you, Chuck. I mean, what were, you know, I, you know what that, believe it or not, that won't get it either. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to be people who, who obey him and believe in him. We also need to be people who are pure. It is God's will that you're pure. 
It is God's will that you're pure. What does it mean to do the will of the Father? We live sanctified, pure lives. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. People who live impure lives, it says, do not know God. Now, you might say, no, 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 that's, no, this is what the Bible says. God's will is that you and I live pure lives. Now, can we fall and then be forgiven? Yes. But can we go out and practice that and say we truly know him? Jesus says you don't know God when you do that. And I don't want you to be a person who doesn't know God. It's God's will that you and I live that way. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, Jesus had already said, you practice lawlessness, you're not coming in. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to verse, the next verse. Do not be deceived. See, a lot of people are deceived by this. And now they're going to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, go away. I never knew you. It says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's people who have premarital sex nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, by the way, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks God's word is true, and this is how it works. By the way, it doesn't matter what any court thinks. They can overturn things all day long. God's word's true. And by the way, if you're brand new to us, we don't say that meanly or cruelly. We say it because we care about people that are heading down the wrong road. And we know God's will. And we want the best for them. And and we're in a culture today that doesn't get it. And, And God says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The unrighteous do not inherit the kingdom of God. But notice verse 11. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. He says, you used to be that way. Why does he say that? Because when someone comes to know Jesus in reality, then they become born again. They become a new creation. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, when you come to me in reality and you say yes to me and open up your heart to me, I cleanse you of your sins. I forgive you of the unrighteousness. I call you into a new relationship. And I call you to be a child of the father where he becomes your Abba father, your daddy. He becomes yours completely. And that's God's great desire for you and I to have that. See, whoever does the will of God enters into a relationship with him, a very real loving relationship. That's why when Jesus was preaching, someone said, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside. Don't you want to go to them? And listen to what he said in Mark chapter three, verse 35. Whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God, you know what? You're you're a brother to me. You're a sister to me. You're a mother. We have a real relationship. And by the way, that's the whole point. 